Hello and welcome to the Moving Curve. I'm Rukmini, a data journalist based in Chennai. Two nights a week on this mini cast, I consider one question around the novel coronavirus epidemic in India. Tonight I'm considering this one. What are the issues around the two vaccines that India has already approved? It's day 364 of the novel coronavirus epidemic in India and we are reporting 10,702,061 cases with 153,885 deaths. As I said on the last episode, we are going to stay vaccine focused for a few episodes here. There's a lot of new ground to cover with vaccines, but first for India, we need to get the most basic issue out of the way. On January 3rd, the Indian regulator approved two vaccines for use in India, the Oxford AstraZeneca Serum Institute vaccine called Covishield and the Bharat Biotech ICMR vaccine called Covaxin. There have been some questions around both vaccines, less about the science and more about the approval process, and I thought it was important to address this first. I do want to reiterate that I'm not making the case that these vaccines are unsafe, which we have evidence to show they are not. but that we need greater transparency around the government's decision making process around a mass vaccination program who better to have with me to discuss ethical issues around the approval process than dr anand bhan a researcher in bioethics and the former president of the international association of bioethics so i asked dr bhan about covishield first with covishield my question was that so from your twitter thread as well and from what i've uh, read one of the major issues is that the efficacy data from indian trial sites doesn't seem to be available yet right that's right so uh, the challenge is in india they're not doing an efficacy study they're only doing a safety immunogenicity uh, study of around 1600 participants okay so the efficacy data is only drawn from the foreign studies um, and probably they are using this bridging data to see if there is anything uh, majorly amiss uh, when you use the vaccine in india there is a bridging study which is ongoing but you know based on the uh, the time period which is written into the entry it looks likely that that study will only be completed in march probably somewhere around march mm-hmm. what we don't know is how much of that study is over how many of the 1600 uh, participants that they have um, proposed in that study have been recruited and what does that data say if they done if they have done some anything any kind of an interim analysis uh, presumably maybe some elements of those uh, data sets would have been presented to the subject expert committee but because these are not in the public domain we don't really know okay. um you know data for how many people has been presented i have not seen any uh, specific mention of that so again there uh, you know if the idea was to do safety and immunogenicity um at the minimum i guess they would have had some early data but not the complete data right okay and efficacy they are not doing separately for india at all not to my knowledge no right. uh, they so you know when you roll out a vaccine you end up now looking at effectiveness which is you know how how does the vaccine behave um, in field conditions and is it um, working well etc but uh, at least in india it doesn't seem to be the case that there is any efficacy um, studies uh, either ongoing or planned another point about covishield that dr bhan made earlier on twitter was that the dosing interval that the indian government is going with which is 4 to 6 weeks between the first and second dose could be a bit shorter than ideal resulting in lowered efficacy 
But the problem is also that Covishield ran into trouble with dosing during the trial stage itself. While the trial was meant to be for two full doses, as a result of an error, about 3,000 participants were given the half dose and then a full dose four weeks later, while 9,000 participants got two full doses four weeks apart. The half-dose-full-dose combination was actually found to be more efficacious and AstraZeneca's final results were an average of the two sets of participants. This, of course, creates trouble for a country trying to pick a dosing regimen. Part of the confusion is that, um, you know, the way they have come up with their efficacy uh, seems to also combine trials uh, which are different in nature, you know, um, and conducted in different settings. Mm. Um, so, being able to read them um, as combined data sets and making some kind of an average also, I think a lot of scientists have raised concerns about. Yeah. But it, uh, the data as we see it on pace value seems to indicate that, uh, you know, a longer uh, spacing between the two doses probably gives you higher efficacy. Now, remember with this vaccine, you are also having some kind of unique uh, findings which were not initially planned in the way they designed the studies, but sort of by fluke happened, right? That half dosing and one dosing regimen actually showing higher efficacy. Right. So half first dose and then uh, full second dose. Now, uh, you know, I think a lot of that is probably still being figured out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you massage the data enough, you can find some interesting um, takeaways usually. Right. But what is important is then what did the Indian Subject Expert Committee look at and what did they feel hence was the right spacing to use? And on what uh, data basis did they do it? Again, you know, if that was put out in the public domain, we'd all be able to figure out why they chose to go with a particular spacing uh, recommendation. Because the data, which is, as I said, available, uh, you know, in, in publication seems to indicate that you don't get a great efficacy relative to other spacing choices uh, with the current spacing regimen, which India has chosen, which is around four to six weeks. My last question on Covishield to Dr. Bhan was about an issue that came up in its India trial. The Economic Times journalist Tina Thakkar reported on November 28th that a Chennai-based participant in the trial had had severe neurological problems 10 days after receiving the vaccine. Unlike when serious adverse events were reported elsewhere in the world, the trial was not halted. The trial site in Chennai said that they carried out an investigation and found that the event was not related to the trial. But the participant felt that there had been no follow-up, even from the sponsors of the regulator. He sent the sponsors a legal notice, and Serum Institute's response was to threaten a 500 crore countersuit. I found this an excessively belligerent response, and I asked Dr. Bhan about it. It was clearly an unfortunate incident. In many ways, we still don't have closure on that. Right. You know, one would have hoped that by now the regulator would have come out with some kind of a clarity around what was the causality assessment process they followed. and what was the uh, conclusion of that so that we would all know what actually happened and uh, you know how they investigated it and what is the expert committee's opinion on that right. what actually happened was uh, as i said unfortunate also because i think the the participant and his family clearly felt that they were not uh, listened to and that their concerns were not validated and that tells us something also about one of the problems with the current process, which is to say and that uh, you have a say, um, assessment done in a way that you collect data about the participant. Yeah. Uh, so their 
his or her medical records. Uh, you will collect information on them. You will find out when they received the vaccine, etc. And then you will independently go ahead and make uh, assessment. So everyone else who is a stakeholder in that process gets to say something or gets uh, sort of reflect on that or uh, you know make comments on that process and uh, the document. So the ethics committee, the investigator, the sponsor, the regulator. But it's the participant who's at the heart of that event who's sort of excluded from that entire exercise. Right. And so if I was in that situation or you were in that situation, you would also feel that, you know, you have a strong stake in that discussion. And so the least which should happen is that you should have a right to listen, be listened to, and then to engage on that issue and probably also have, an, um, you know, an, uh, a mechanism of appeal available. Right. Because that's not available right now, the only recourse I have is, quite honestly, a legal recourse, right? Yeah. Because if you are the regulator and as the final arbitration authority on an event, you say that it's not linked. But I still feel, uh, you know, I, I believe that there was a linkage with the with the vaccination. Then the only way out is for me to approach the courts. You know, what else do I can I do? There is no other appellate mechanism right now. Right. So in that sense, the fact that the volunteer um, went ahead and did that, is something, I guess, which is well within their legal rights. Actually, in clinical trials, we are also supposed to very clearly tell people that when you consent to participate in a study, you do not, um, uh, you know, you're not bereft of any legal rights. Yeah. So if that is the case, then obviously, given that perhaps they felt that they were not being listened to, that they want to serve that legal notice. Actually, did not even file a case. It was just a notice. Yeah. But the way it was aggressively responded to just showed that, you know, uh, a lack of sensitivity. I think it should have been much more uh, handled with care, mm -hmm. with reaching out, with trying to understand their concerns and then trying to respond to them. You know, by coming across as a large conglomerate, which was out to sort of, uh, you know, dismiss concerns outright and, you know, talk about countersuing. Yeah. Just did not show um, the sponsor in in good light, and unfortunately, again, the regulator was sort of quiet about the entire thing. Right. This is the kind of a place where you would want the regulator to step up because they are the they are supposed to be the independent adjudicator. Remember, everyone else um, who's also involved in some ways also might potentially have a conflict of interest, including okay. including the ICMR. The ICMR is a co-sponsor in both the studies, both for Covishield and Covaxin. So if you have a conflict of interest, yes, you can express an opinion, but then, you know, people have a right to also know that there is a conflict of interest and hence your opinion has to be contextualized against that. But the regulator is supposed to be an independent body which makes, um, you know, decisions based on facts and, um, and uh, again, without conflict. So uh, that's the group one would have wanted to say more. But again, as you know, um, we've not been able to get much out of the regulator in recent months. Next up. Covaxin, where the issues are significantly more serious. Developed jointly by Bharat Biotech and ICMR, Covaxin has completed phase 1 and 2 trials for safety and immunogenicity, but it has not completed phase 3 trials for efficacy. So the granting of approval for its use struck me as truly unusual. It is an unusual circumstance. You know, the new drugs and clinical trials rules allow for some exceptions, but um, you know, but can that be extrapolated in such a way that we have these kind of situations uh, where approvals are granted in the absence of efficacy data when you actually have an efficacy trial ongoing, which is uh, at that point of time almost finished recruitment and would probably give you some early data 
in a few weeks time is is unusual um, and um, hence also was raising a lot of uh, questions mm-hmm. also the way approval was given and the language which was used was also highly um, you know unusual you've not seen that kind of language before so i did try reaching out to also colleagues in other countries especially uh, low and middle income countries to try to understand if they've seen any kind of these uh, this language used before mm-hmm. and even they were surprised by the language because you know as as you have also seen probably in clinical trial mode in light of a mutant uh, strain um, in public health interests etc you know sort of broad language like that mm-hmm. um and not yet and not explaining actually the clear rationale or enough details around it so that also caused again um a lot of concern being expressed that why did we this take this decision um especially when the same committee um on prior uh, occasions um in meetings which are listed on the website had said that we want efficacy data and we request the company to do the study uh, faster by recruiting more people uh, sooner and then come back to us with uh, efficacy data and then suddenly they changed track and they accepted the argument of going with whatever data set was available so that is what you know does is not easily explainable and hence i think also um you know would have helped to know from the regulator on what basis that change of decision was made because if it was just safety and immunogenicity data that was available quite early you know you didn't have to wait till january to make a decision right that data in fact was probably available in uh, in late november early december when the subject expert committee had also met and at that point of time even with the same data they had said we want efficacy data mm-hmm. and then for them to change track a couple of weeks later mm-hmm. without the efficacy data uh, at least in the public domain being there uh, hence was a bit unclear um, and okay. uh, again one of the challenges to that is uh, not just what does that mean for regulations and the way we carry out processes mm-hmm. for governance and oversight but what does it mean in terms of precedence Right. with forthcoming vaccines uh, will the manufacturers also ask for these kinds of uh, exceptions right and uh, you know and how do you deal with that situation can you make an exception for one vaccine and not for other so technically the rollout of covaxin is in clinical trial mode and to me that's pretty problematic for a vaccine that's part of our national program to simultaneously be a clinical trial making issues around choice and consent quite muddied globally there is um not really choice available as of now anywhere um well at least in in most places right you know you either get one vaccine or the other the only main difference here is that you have one vaccine where there is at least efficacy data from abroad not locally as we discussed right and you have another vaccine where efficacy data is awaited so it's a bit of a qualitatively different um, scenario and mm-hmm. as you were pointing out it is also rolled out in in the mode of a clinical trial Mm. uh where you're consenting into participate mm. but then you don't have a choice of yeah. uh, you know you the only choice right now which exists in the program is an opt out right uh, you don't have a choice of getting another vaccine and that does complicate things a little bit more and sometimes part of the challenge is do people really get that nuance and are we communicating adequately about that do you know what does what that means to participate in a clinical trial mode right. do you understand that uh, you know there is a uh, a fundamental difference between the two vaccines at this point of time mm. you know that might also change in a few weeks time as uh, as data from covaxin comes in and hopefully is put out and what do we do then you know based on the whatever the data says it might actually end up being a, a fairly efficacious vaccine right. the safety and immunogenicity data seems to be encouraging 
but we don't know till we see that data so i think we are uh, going to see some interesting permutations and combinations and perhaps uh, this whole uh, confusion is also impacting uh, the way people perceive vaccines and their uptake uh, which uh, again you know maybe if we had thought it through a little bit more could have been uh, probably uh, handled differently for me this was an incredibly useful conversation to be able to know what to be legitimately skeptical of and what data we are still awaiting i thank dr bhan for giving me his time and insight thank you for listening this episode was edited by anand krishnamurthy on the next episode a new question